Hi, welcome to the Business Vitality Podcast. I am your host, Katherine Canty. You can learn more about me and my team at KatherineCanty.com. For more than two decades, I have been able to travel the country and help other people grow their business. From those experiences, I was able to work with a proposal team that generated success 90% of the time for over a decade. We have created a leadership coaching program that is creating 100% measured results as seen by the leaders, peers, and stakeholders. And finally, I have spent nearly a decade in boardrooms, corporate boardrooms, where we are learning what's working and what's not. And more importantly, we're able to take the communication from the boardroom and get it down to the front line so execution is easier to implement. You know, from all these experiences, we created a framework called Business Vitality. These are all of the best practices of leaders and and opportunities that have been coming up decade after decade. And a lot of this stuff has been in practice for more than 20 years, 30 years and beyond. And what we're learning is a lot of these folks that are remaining vital in business today are having to think differently. And to share a quote from one of my CEOs that I've worked with in the past, he told me all day long he can hire folks, but what he needs more of are people who think outside the box. So in an effort to pay it forward and celebrate successes, we are going to be sharing stories of leaders who are thinking differently and remaining vital in business today. Please stick to the end and we will share how you can be a guest on the show. And thanks so much for being here. Kevin Paul Mary, you are the founder and CFO of Next Level University, found on the web at nextleveluniverse.com. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I am excited to chat and see where we go today. This is going to be fun. You have such a um, impressive background, and we can take this conversation a lot of different ways. But before we, before I start asking a whole lot of questions, I would love for you to explain at a very high level. Tell me about Next Level University and what you do with that. Yeah. So Next Level University is not only a podcast that we do seven times a week. So we do an episode every single day for our community, but it is a business that our real thought is if you don't have money, but you want to be into self-improvement, we have the podcast. If you have a little bit of money and you want coaching, we have that. So the the real goal for us, Catherine, is no matter what your financial situation or your self-improvement set point is, there's somewhere for you. That's our ultimate goal here. I appreciate that. So tell me, how did you find this? Um, you've you've shared your background a little bit on the internet, but I, for people that are new to you, mm. you know, Kevin, just kind of talk about, if you don't mind, that that journey that kind of led you here. Because everybody who's in self-improvement, we all have have the story that supports it. Yeah. I think yours is unique. So I, if you don't I mind. appreciate it. I appreciate it. Yeah. yeah, usually it usually comes from pain. Unfortunately, I didn't set it up that way, but that seems to be the way it works. So um, the quickest version is, When I graduated high school, I knew I didn't want to go to college. I didn't know why, but I just knew it wasn't for me. So I ended up working odd jobs for several years. I ended up getting this very unique job opportunity in an industry called weatherization. So we would go into buildings and make them more energy efficient. Since I was working for the state and government at times, I made anywhere from $60 to $120 an hour. So I was like, oh my God, I made it. This is it. So if you zoom in on Kevin at 25... My girlfriend was a model. I had a sports car. I had just won a bodybuilding show. So I was in the best shape of my life. I had money. Everything seemed really good. But my internal state 
and my external state were drastically different. I was insecure. I was not confident. I was afraid of my own shadow. And eventually that came to bite me in the butt because my girlfriend left me and I ended up falling into a depression. I thought making more money was the only way to fix myself. So I went all in on making money. And that next year I spent 10 months on the road, just traveling up and down the East coast of the U S working because uh, most of our contracts were on the road, made $100,000 that year, thought that was going to fix my life. And I realized that for that year and most of my life, I had lived unconsciously, just kind of gliding through life, hoping things were going to work out. The opposite of unconscious was hyperconscious. So I started a podcast called The Hyperconscious Podcast, fell in love with podcasting as I fell out of love with my job. Couldn't leave my job because I needed the money. So I ended up sitting on the edge of a bed debating suicide uh, shortly thereafter because I just felt I felt so stuck and so trapped and like there was nowhere else for me to, to go. And I'd be starting over and I'd be letting so many people down. But I ended up leaving my job and then going full time into what we're doing today and figuring out how to grow a business as a broke entrepreneur. <laughs> Your story is... is um. Thank you for sharing your story. It, it's pretty special. And I, I feel like, you know, I'm going to kind of turn it just a little bit. I want to ask a different question. There's a lot of amazing, you know, technical colleges that are out there. There's a lot of um, high school students that I've worked with in the past, and um, they just go and, and they make decisions and they decide what they want to do with their life. And not everybody's got to go to college to figure this out. Like my favorite banker that I love to work with, she won't tell anybody but she has a high school education and she was mm -hmm. like, don't tell everybody. And I was like, okay, but she's amazing. And like, you don't have to have all these degrees to, to do great work. Yeah. And so you jumped right into the workforce and you did what, what worked for you. And, you know, sometimes we are groomed to think that we have to make all this money and money equals happiness. Um, what do you say to, and I've got a couple folks that, that come to mind early twenties, they're working all the time. They want to make the six figures. They're at the six figures and they're spending the money as fast as it's coming in because nobody's really talked to them about money. What do you say to those, those people? Or what do you say to yourself then mm -hmm. that you wish you knew as you've studied all the self-improvement and just been down this amazing path? I appreciate Thank you for the kind words. I appreciate it. Uh, I would say this. I do believe money can buy momentary bouts of happiness. I do. If you buy a nice car, you're going to feel happy. You're going to get a dopamine spike for a short amount of time. The one thing money cannot buy is fulfillment. And that is what I think we are all after as human beings. But this is the thing. It's very hard to recognize fulfillment in others. So when we turn on the TV and we see mansions and cars and relationships and bodies and jewelry, we have this assumption that that person is happy. They might be happy. It does not suggest, though, that that person is fulfilled. I think happiness is a result. If this interview goes well and you like me, I will be happy. Regardless of how it goes, I should be fulfilled because I'm in the process of purpose. I'm in the process of growth and I'm in the process of evolution. So what I would tell myself is setting goals and accomplishing goals is great. And that, that might give you bouts of happiness, but happiness is not sustainable. Fulfillment is. I'm more fulfilled on a journey that I most likely will never accomplish with the goals that we have than I used to be before. So for me, it was reshifting the target from happiness, if then, to fulfillment 
just being on purpose and, and being aligned and doing what you love and doing what you feel you're, you're supposed to be doing. Okay. So many people are seeking happiness in this world to the point that I met with one of my mentors and friends, Marshall Goldsmith, a few months ago, and he's phenomenal, written tons of books, just amazing success. And he told me who he's working with now. And these are amazing people, you know, live in Dubai and have lives that look amazing. Mm. And I said, well, what do you, what do you work with them on? And he said, Catherine, they have everything in this world. The one thing they don't have is happiness. I'm working with these people Mm. to help them find happiness. And so for you to realize this early in and happiness and fulfillment are two different things. I don't know if, if listeners can really understand the fact that happiness happiness is that moment thing, but fulfillment and understanding that life is the journey and the journey is like what we're here for. We're just not trying to accomplish another check the box, you know, opportunity. Um, how does somebody at no matter what stage they're at themselves, they're, they're growing themselves. How do you even begin to define fulfillment? And they're like, Hmm, what is even fulfillment? I thought I was supposed to be chasing happiness myself included. I went down that path but it is fulfillment and like what it is, but how do you, how do you find fulfillment? Where do you start? Is there a book? Is there, what helped you find fulfillment? Yeah, that's a great, that is a great question. I, it wasn't about me. The best, the best thing I can frame it as is when I started the podcast, it wasn't about me. I had no idea how to make money to a detriment. I wasn't focused on that. I was focused on if I have a great conversation and somebody is impacted. Awesome. Like I'm doing something good. So fulfillment, I think you find it by not doing what you like, but doing something that you're always grateful you did after. Mm -hmm. I think that is such a unique perspective where I love Netflix as much as the the next person. My wife and I, I worked a 12, 13 hour day yesterday. We watched an hour of Netflix. Netflix can make me happy, but if I watch Netflix for 12 hours, I am not going to be fulfilled because I'm going to regret it. So I would say if you can ask yourself a simple question, what do I want to do that I know makes me feel good, but I don't regret after? That's question one. Question two is, what is something I don't really want to do, but I know I'll be grateful I did after? The gym is a great example, right? Like it's fulfilling to pour into your own health, but it kind of sucks. Kind of sucks when you, the alarm goes off, but if you're always grateful you did it, you're on the path to fulfillment. And the last thing I would say, Catherine, is you have to reflect on your past. Mm-hmm. What are the things that you, what are the things that you were always drawn to? Like um, one of the examples I use, my my business partner's girlfriend went to the Great Barrier Reefs. She found out the Great Barrier Reefs or Great Barrier Cemetery, unfortunately, and that became part of her purpose. So will she be fulfilled if she is adding value to the environment? Yes, because she believes she's on a quest to improve something that in reality will never actually get finished. I think that's kind of a good measure for fulfillment. I love these questions. And if 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 I heard this correctly, I want to make sure I, I captured it right because I'm mm-hmm. taking notes. But you're doing things that do make you feel good um, and things that you you don't want to necessarily do. But at the very end of it, you feel you feel good at, at the, at the end of it, whether it's going to the gym, which I got on the Peloton this morning, didn't want to, but I was like, I'm going to make time because I know mentally I feel better after I, I get off of that. And then also finding the things that are of interest to you 
And it, it sounds like intentionality and intentionally working that into your calendar and working it into your life. Um, and then the, the whole reflection on the past is so important, yeah. um, whether it's on yourself or whether it's on your business, we've got to reflect on what were the highs and what were the lows and yeah. what do we do from there? Um, this is, this is kind of fun to being able to, uh, to talk about this and, you know, you, you talk about in the beginning that maybe you were lacking some confidence. And I think it's rare to hear a guy talk about how they lacked confidence because mm-hmm. I see guys all over the place. And I'm like, if he gets one more ounce of confidence, I don't, I don't know. His head might explode because he's overconfident. Mm-hmm. Um, do you mind talking about confidence and like, how do you, how do you find confidence? Cause I've talked to women about it and it's one thing, but I would love to hear from your perspective, if mm-hmm. you don't mind. Yeah. It's honestly, it's, it's a very simple concept that's very hard to execute. Usually you have to figure out what is your comfort zone? What is your learning zone? And what is your anxiety zone? And you have to find a way to constantly, constantly reach your learning zone. So all this means is for many of us, we have determined that fill in the blank. I cannot do blank because I'm afraid of blank. That becomes a contract that we have with ourselves. It becomes a fence. That fear becomes a fence that we are never willing to overcome because we've worked it up as this monster in the closet when it's really a sock. So when you force yourself to do one small step towards that, then you build that confidence, right? Then you can say, okay, I'm a little bit outside of my comfort zone. What I thought might go terribly wrong didn't. Now I have proof. I always say this, you have to look at the most recent and relevant proof. Now, for many people, the most recent relevant proof is walking up to the edge of the cliff and realizing, Mm-mm, can't do it. That's that's actually making that cycle worse, right? You're, mm-hmm. you're kind of forming a confidence conundrum there. So it sounds overly simplistic, but it's, okay, what is one fear? Let's just say it's heights. Okay, I'm afraid of heights. Cool, let's break that down to don't go to the top of the mountain. Don't go bungee jumping. Don't go skydiving. Maybe you go climb up a ladder. Something simple like that. I know it might not it might not seem like that crosses over to confidence. I think confidence, true confidence, is the belief of one's own competence. And the more experienced you are in life and the more things you try, I think that's really where it comes from. Confidence is the the knowing that you'll figure it out even if it goes wrong. And if it does go wrong, it's not the end of the world. And it doesn't mean you're a terrible person. And and Maybe maybe in the future we'll do a, a longer episode because there's there's like self-belief and self-worth. Those are often misconstrued when they're very different things. So there's a lot that goes into it. I love that. And I love that you simplify it because a lot of the work that we do, we just get back down to the practical applications of like, how can we find the the MVP, minimal viable product or solution, mm-hmm. and just go step out there and, and take a chance. And yeah, if you are scared of heights, start with something small, small. and build that momentum, like what you're saying. And it is a mental mind block at times thinking we're telling ourselves we we can't do it. And then when we dig deeper, we probably find out you know, this was just a limiting belief that was passed on to us from somebody else Yeah, because we don't know any different until we learn or hear this from the people that are surrounding us. Yeah. Um, Most people are afraid of, most people were afraid of what they're doing today. They just kept going. Yeah. I was afraid of podcasting at the beginning, but now I have 1300 episodes. So it seems people say like, oh, you're so confident. I've just done this so many times. This is just normal. When you're normal, when something you are terrified of becomes your normal in a positive light, then you're probably going to become confident there. It's just, it's just the reps, the reps, the reps. 
life is all about the reps, isn't 100%. it? And, and, and the journey. I love that. Okay. So this reminds me of some leaders that I was working with and, um, you know, you're, you're having to take chances and you're putting yourself out there in business and life and everywhere. And you shared a little bit before about, um, improving decision-making and decision-making and being able to just go in there and be able to make some decisions. Some of these younger leaders are out in the organization. They may not have all of the same experience of the people they're leading. So I work with folks in construction and they have to go out into these big job sites and they kind of have to call the, the BS on it that like this, this job is not where it needs to be, but you have a, a veteran on the job who's been doing this same type of masonry work or woodwork for a long time. And you don't have the credentials, but they have the experience and you got to be able to make decisions and be able to have the confidence and, and that competence to be able to do that. I would love to hear from you just as far as how do you improve decision-making, um, in scenarios that, that you've run across that, that kind of helps that, that could help some, some of the listeners that may be new into having to make some really, you know, Mm. big decisions. We, as a culture, we try to make sure that we are sharing the intention behind the decision with everybody, because I think oftentimes it's almost like, Oh, Kev said, this is the way it's going to go. Or Alan, the CEO, he said, that's how it's going to go. Like, that's just the way it is. But when in reality, if somebody was to say, you know, hey, Kev, um, we have to go a different way with this. And here are the reasons why. I think your idea is great. I really, really, really do. I just don't know if it's best for the sustainability long term. And here are the reasons. I don't know. I think at the end of the day, a lot of people don't actually see what goes into the decision making. And, And you said this in the preamble. Sometimes you just have to communicate. Sometimes you just have to sit down and say, I understand, you know, this and your opinion and your strategy and what you're bringing to the table are super valuable and super appreciated. Unfortunately, here's why we have to make this decision. And then you kind of connect on that. One of the things we tell people often is I always want your feedback. I always want your truth. I always want your ideas. Please don't be offended if we don't use them though. Because we have to go with what we believe will be best based on our experience, based on the data, and honestly, based on intuition. A lot of the decisions we make are based on the intuition of the time we've spent. So I would say just one simple word is communication. Communicating effectively behind the scenes what's going on in front of the scenes. I think that is a a hack and something that is probably under underutilized, I would say. Do you have any tips on communication? That seems to be a theme that I'm seeing now. <laughs> you know, we we tell ourselves stories of how we're communicating or how we think we're communicating. We're really mm. not. What yeah. are your thoughts on communication? Um, ask yourself a simple question. Are the people I'm communicating with results-driven or relationships-driven? That right there, if somebody is relationships-driven, you need to communicate with them drastically different than somebody who just cares about the success. So with somebody who is relationships driven, you should really lead with praise. You should lead with heart and you should lead with vulnerability with someone who's results driven. You probably lead with data, lead with numbers and lead with results. And those are just two drastically different conversations. Our team is primarily emotionally driven women, which is primarily our, our target audience, which has taught me a very unique way of communicating, leading and being vulnerable. So if you asked me that question five years ago, I would not have a good answer, most likely. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you're you're learning at, at rapid pace. I'm trying. Um, 
And, and to be able to have these relationships, you're having to build trust with folks along the way. It builds yeah. stronger communication. Do you mind talking about, you know, how, how you're able to kind of accelerate some of building that trust with others? Yeah. So we have a very unique culture, so it might not be for everybody, but I have a, I have a deep belief that the closer you get to someone, the closer you get to the truth. And this is why as a leader, as a personality, as a person, as an energy, you have to be unreasonably consistent, not showing up every day, but in the way you show up every day. So I would say you have to make people feel safe by showing your own unique vulnerabilities. One of the, the best things that we've ever done is we, uh, we do a weekly call every Wednesday. It's an hour and a half team call. And the first half hour is just, hey, share about your week. I don't care about anything business. Like, What's your most important win? What's your most important improvement? And on the last call, everybody, every single person on the call cried. Everybody, myself included. Now, I understand that's not what every culture is going for, but we got a ton of messages after of, I'm so grateful I'm part of this team. Not because of the results, not because of the impact, because I actually feel safe for once. So I think it's that. It's understanding that at the end of the day, these are human beings that are living human experiences. They go home and they have human lives. If we can help in all those areas, you're probably going to be a more influential and more sought after leader. I love the um, all of the tips and insights and the clarity that you bring to it all. The fact that um, that you're able to do this with the culture. There's so many organizations that I've seen there. They talk culture. They just can't get culture. The people that do get culture, they're building exactly what you're talking about. They, they carve out time for people to be able to share the beginning of a meeting of like what is going on with their life. And they get to share that and they feel connected. And it's these small things that sometimes we lose focus on um, over time because we just get so busy about just trying to deliver, deliver, deliver. We forget that there is a human factor to it. Um, as as we kind of wrap up, I would love to hear, it sounds like you're learning everywhere. I love to keep learning and, and keep, you know, just keep seeing what else is out there. Do you have favorite books? Are you on a curtain, current topic that you're working on right now that you're just researching? Um, what do you have if somebody, I'm just curious, where are you learning and, and how can I keep learning from you? <laughs> I'm always learning right now. It's, I'm, I think it's think like a rocket scientist. So it's all about first principles and how they launch rockets and how that, how that really carries over to self-improvement and business. So that's been a very interesting book. I think a really good book for leaders is The Four Tendencies by Gretchen Rubin. That is a great book about understanding human beings. Anything emotional intelligence is super powerful for leaders. And then one of my favorite books of all time is Mindset by Carol Dweck. Huge fan of that book. It's it's simple, but it's powerful. So yeah, that. And then, yeah, other than that, I'm very specific. So when I need to learn more about finance, I just dive into finance and right now it's more a season of i just want to keep i want to keep learning about business and i want to understand peop, people at a deeper level so those are my those are my suggestions currently that is fantastic. I love Mindset with Carol Dweck. I had an earlier podcast with uh, Ryan Goffordson, and he studied her work and has created this amazing emotional um, intelligence roadmap that goes with it. I've hired him, you know, at the bank to do some work when I was with them. And the whole mindset and like what we're having to go through to be able to make decisions and connect with people, it is just 
it's it's so fun to be able to go down that rabbit hole. So um, tell me if someone wants to learn more about you and the work that you're doing, Kevin, do you mind sharing what's the best way to connect? Yeah, you can you can shoot me a message, uh, an email, Kevin at nextleveluniverse.com. I'm happy to respond to anything. And then our podcast is Next Level University. Uh, you can listen to that. There's an episode every day. So you'll either love us or you'll get sick of us very quickly. No offense either way. Well, I appreciate it. Kevin, Paul, Mary, you are the founder and CFO of Next Level University found on the web at nextleveluniverse.com. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Catherine. My team and I just want to say thank you for tuning in to the Business Vitality Podcast. We really appreciate you being here. If you know of another leader, another CEO, a founder who has another success story that they are willing to share and be able to pay it forward, we would love to highlight their stories on this podcast. You can find more information at katherinecanty.com. And in the meantime, if you could take a minute and rate this show, that would be super helpful because that's going to allow more people like you to find us in order to continue to pay it forward. Again, if you need to learn any additional information, we are happy to help. You can find us more at katherinecanty.com. You can also find us on LinkedIn with my name, Katherine Canty. Thanks so much for being here.